What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Geeks with Kids, the number one conversational podcast for all things parenty and geeky. So I'm your host today, Aaron, and to my front is... James. James. James is our guest Lando today because Eric, we assume, is... Watching um, or listening to... Perhaps seeing a certain fat man on Batman. No. Uh, no, I bet he's probably at home taking care of his family. Yeah. Yeah, so. he's yeah. watching Kevin Smith. <laughs> I'd like to believe that he's taking No, he is taking care of his family. Hashtag Eric good or hashtag Eric bad. <laughs> But yeah, he's uh, MIA this week, so James has been kind enough to fill in as our uh, Lando this week. And, uh, God, how to... many times is this for you, James? Uh, like... what, we did the big, uh, the, the special at Christmas, yep. the Star Wars special, and then the two. It's almost been a year. Yeah. Been on a couple times. So. Yeah, at least what, two, three? Two, two, well, at least three, yeah. At what point do, do, does James move up from being a Lando to being like a Chewie? <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd move up to Chewie. I like, I like that seat. <laughs> See, so, yeah, I guess so, you know. An important character, but not in every single scene. Yeah, he's he's there. He's got presence, yes. Yeah, I'd, I'd, and, be, I'd definitely uh, move up to And shoot. a big hairy chest, too, to boot. Yes. Not as hairy as mine, though. Yes. Not that you guys needed to know that. But anyway, and to his right would be... Spears. Hey, and so today we got uh, a lot that we want to cover in terms of... Geek news, parent news, there were some big things happening that I think polarized a lot of parents. This was an recently. eventful week. It was. Yeah. It was an eventful month. 2016 can go. Like, I think 2016 is done. Dear 2016, you've used up your year in your first six months. The honorarium yeah. is going to be longer than the than the Oscars this year. Yeah, you know, in memoriam. Oh, oh that's my gonna God. Be, that's going to be crushing when that happens. Like, mm-hmm. that's... I don't know if anybody's going to want to watch that. That's well, just and, and do you want to mention, you know, I mean, probably one of the biggest names? Yeah, so coming up just this week uh, was Muhammad Ali. Well, today, Cassius, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, Cassius this morning. Clay. At the away. time of recording. Yeah. A man uh, that, I mean, iconic, doesn't even begin, to, you know, legend. I mean, these are all words he probably used to describe himself. But a man that basically, you know, from pop culture to political standpoints, you know, from being one of the greatest boxers of all time mm-hmm. to being just a, uh, a, a political draft dodger, a draft dodger a man who yeah. basically stood up to the government and said I'm not going to Vietnam mm-hmm. a man that was at Wrestlemania 1 yes I totally that forgot fought, about that a man that fought you know Antonio Inoki in probably one of the first mixed martial arts battles ever <laughs> fought uh, Superman fought Superman hey. in comic books written in uh, you know done by by Neil Adams yeah, you know, this is you know an iconic person, mm-hmm. you know, and and to think that a lot of that was cut short for many many years for as long as I've known and and watched. You know, he's been battling Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Like every every time that I remember seeing him in recent memory, yeah, he like you could tell like he was he was trying to fight the best fight that he could, but yeah, I. You could see the glint in the eye, yeah, and the mind but he still was still had working. It there. Yeah, like he still had that fighting spirit, no matter like no matter how much his body was failing him. Like that's know, impressive. When you know he died at, at seventy four, 
you know, how long is do you is it, anyone know how long he had Parkinson's for? Eighties, uh, early eighties, I think early it was 80s. when he retired. Yeah. So we're going back thirty some odd years. Mm-hmm. That is a long, long fight. That's a long, yeah. And to think how much he was able to squeeze in that first forty years, and yeah. we're all turning out. I, I just turned forty a few weeks ago, and I look back and go, I. Got nothing oh, compared dude. to this. Between Muhammad Ali and uh, Lin Manuel, I think yeah, we're <laughs> Lin Manuel Miranda, the creator of Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's the, he's the same age as I am, like exactly, and he's had like one Tony Award winning musical. He's about to have another. Yeah, at which his play is basically headlining. Like and there's then, stills from the. See, the I'm going yeah. to prescribe and, to the Alan Rickman theory though, and and even uh, you know. Your career starts at like fifty six, and you do your first movie, and you know there's time. Yeah, but the, the 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 parenthetical to that is when he wasn't doing movies, he was performing with the Royal Shakespeare Company. Well, all right, you're gonna throw a notch in the. Play. I mean, I, I guess Morgan there, Fre- Morgan Freeman's kind of like that. I guess like he didn't start Sam L. Jackson. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, you know, late bloomers. Okay, yeah. Yeah, there's still a chance. But just, we could make <laughs> but it. But got like big stars. Like, Sam Jackson wasn't his first movie Jurassic Park. I thought it was uh, Hold on to Amos, your butts. <laughs> Amos and Andy. Was it with Nick Cage? Oh, it could have been. I don't know. Huh. I know he'd been around for a long. No, he was in uh, like Stop or, or um, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, and but he oh, was yeah. Not, he was, he but was he didn't background. break until yeah. Well, yeah, until yeah. Hold on to Your Butts and yeah. <laughs> Until Pulp Fiction, almost. Man, they should totally reboot Jurassic Park and do it all from that character's perspective. But didn't they do? They did it from D.B. Wong's perspective the the last time. Ah, fair. I always like those kind of like alt takes on things. It's like very Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, where it's like let's experience Hamlet from the clown point of view. That would be kind of that would be kind of funny. Jurassic Park from the point of view of the compy. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back from the POV of the Ugnaughts. I want Roy, uh, Return of the Jedi from Nine Noom's point of view. <laughs> Here's a guy that just saves the world and he doesn't even get his, you know, a lead in the movie. <laughs> I don't know if they even formally introduce him or mention his name no, in Return of no, the Jedi. No, it's just like, hey, fish face dude, what's up? You gotta really? fly with me. There's my cool. I'm sure you're qualified <laughs> to fly no, in the, 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 the arrow's is, point. No, Nobody knows who I am, and I did more than Chewie did. I actually helped. I I hit the button. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So yeah. Man, I'm still waiting to see his expanded universe novel. Yeah. Yes. Well, didn't they bring him back in episode seven? Yes. Like, wasn't he one of the X-wing pilots? Yep. The fact the- that I can't tell you only only illustrates this <laughs> there, problem. There is a character that looks very very close to him. Yeah. He could just be, you know, but I don't want to be racist and say they all look the same, but, you know, they yeah. could very easily. But I will give that to J.J. They... Abrams, though, that, you know, there weren't very many racist-esque characters, like the Trade Federation. The uh, aliens yeah. seemed alien rather yeah. than, like, a dressed-up ethnicity. Mm-hmm. They spoke with Brooklyn accents as opposed to very, uh... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> let's have make them all Where sound are you from? Like... Queens! Never heard of Queens. <laughs> Is that a planet? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so back to Muhammad Ali, yeah, yeah. like a big, um, yeah, big salute to him. Uh, you were gonna say bucket of wind. I almost did. You were going to say I big almost bucket did. of wind. I got Kevin Smith on the brain. I don't know what it is. I'm hoping he listens to us someday. Someday. <laughs> someday. 
But it's but anyway. a, kind of a good segue too into you know you have an icon like that that passes away, and a couple of weeks ago you know Canadians were kind of hit with the the news that we're going to lose another icon very shortly oh. in Gord Downey from the tragic yeah. event. And for anyone that doesn't know, I mean, Gord Downey is is one of the you know when when you say a voice of a Canadian generation, you know, with the tragically hip. The, the various songs and I personally I'm not a huge fan of the Tragically Hip but I know people that I mean they announced that they're going to do a big concert mm-hmm. across Canada uh, Gord Downey's passing away or well, will pass away very soon he's, he's suffering from terminal brain cancer you know, yeah. they're part of the same like they're as much a part of Canada's brand as Don Cherry or the NHL mm-hmm. and it was, it was they were unapologetically Canadian it wasn't that they yeah, went so much, it yeah. hurt them like if they downplayed it a little bit more, they probably would have broke in the U.S. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And they, they, you know, they they could play bars in New Orleans, and it would be packed with Canadians, you know. And meanwhile, in Canada, they'd sell it a, a show here. And and speaking of which, I mean, you know, one item that we talked about was you can't get tickets to the concert. Yeah, this is ridiculous. They uh, <coughs> announced their, you know, that their their final tour. This is going to be it, and. As soon as tickets go on sale, they're getting scooped up, and then I guess this is what is the StubHub that's doing this? StubHub managed to snag thousands of tickets minutes, seconds after they became available yeah. to the general public. Dear bots, go to work. Button press. Seriously, uh, I read a, and you know, for what's worth, I I've been reading a lot about this on Facebook, and the comments section of one of these posts, you know, for what it's worth. There was a dude who claimed to have worked for StubHub and said, like, his entire job was to go online, pretend he was an individual, buy as many tickets as he could, and put them up for resale. Yeah. Like, what a well, joke. When StubHub oh. is owned by the company that sells the original tickets, mm-hmm. is that not a conflict of interest? Yes. Is it not a conflict yeah. of interest to have a law that's been recently passed by the government that said, you can... Now change and it's not scalping if you sell the ticket on a secondary site and make a profit. Mm-hmm. Isn't that yeah. scalping? Like if, if you I were like to buy those the... tickets and sell them on the street, would you not get arrested? But see, if you're buying and selling them on the street, even that's more honest than this is. Yeah, because I you've a... gone out to get the tickets and you're betting on your hustle that you're going to be able to get the money and negotiate a good price, and you're an individual. And mm-hmm. during the third inning of a game, a, you know, you've got extra product. You can't sell. You can try to liquidate it at a different cost. Yeah, yeah. But when you're that, like a, but when you're like a, uh, like a company, a corporation, like a, like a trademark, like mm-hmm. you know, institution. I wouldn't call them institution, but like a, you are a business. You and you are. You are a monopoly. You are yes. Thank you. That's the. Thank you. Lando. Yes. Chewy. <laughs> Chewy, <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is a t- this is a complete like debacle here because, well, uh, yeah, I, I no. want, uh, I'm not like, a big I one feel... for concerts. I'm not a big one for yeah. buying. Uh, and I have a thing against Ticketmaster. I didn't like the added, added fees. I would go to an arena if I wanted to go to a hockey game. I would go down, pick my seat, pay my price because you didn't have to pay the service fee. You're buying the ticket right from the the box office. 
which is the way it used to be. Yeah, I just the way raised, it used to be, but now they're all just Ticketmaster. You can't outlets. do it. You have to go through Ticketmaster. I want to buy which tickets. is like a secondary, like is like a like is a medi like a mediary. It's so, it's yeah. an unnecessary um, administrative body. That's all of a sudden it's that middle person that you were trying to avoid. I bought tickets to take my daughter to go see. We're going to our first wrestling match. Mm-hmm. We're going to go see WWE in Toronto and. I went online because I was I didn't have the ability to go to Toronto and buy the ticket from from the stadium. I went up paying almost. I bought two thirty dollar tickets, and I paid a hundred and five dollars. <laughs> I had to pay a, an administration fee. I had to pay a service fee per ticket, and then I had to pay a convenience fee to print my own ticket, or they would charge me more to mail me the ticket. That's a uh, they. Should they should be required to roll all that into the ticket price? Yeah. Yes. You can't say that something's worth thirty, and they'd be like, "Ha ha, it's really seventy. But then yeah. you don't even get a choice because of the way the website is set up, it's like pick the best seats in this price range. But what if I need an aisle seat? What if I need this, or what if I want a better seat? Yeah. And I want to take a look. They're like, "Nope, that's the seat that you're assigned." And if you don't like that seat, you can let it time out. And guess what? When you plug back in, that's the seat that's going to be available unless somebody else has bought it. Huh. Yeah. It, uh. No, it, it's it's tough because I feel like the intent of a website like StubHub or the intent, I hope, and maybe this is like overly rose-colored of me, but I feel like the intent of all these changes was to enable individuals to go on to the to go to use websites to safely legally resell tickets, mm-hmm. you know, in the circumstance where it's like I bought ten tickets, but one of my buddies can't go, now I can sell the one without, you know, feeling like I'm a scalper and standing out on a street corner and feel like a cop is going to be like, "You scalped your last ticket, you." Yeah, you know, and that's that. I feel like there is a difference between someone being like, "I got this extra ticket. How much can I get for it?" versus a company. Marking up its own, basically using a second website to mark up its own product before mm-hmm. anyone else Almost has a crack at it. Times in some cases they're going oh, some of yeah. the tickets for God, the, like there was thousands a, of dollars now. Thousands, thousands. There was a Globe article. There was yeah. a Globe and Mail article trying to defend it, saying that this is the way that they find out what the actual value of the ticket is. They were trying to defend it as like this is the free market in action. I'm trying to think. Wasn't and it? it makes me want to put the... I, I feel like it was Neil McDonald, and I don't want to wish anyone harm, but that that's a... I strongly disagree with that yeah. position. Like, wasn't it a few years ago that one of... Like, there was a band that got really fed up with Ticketmaster. Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Yeah, and just was like, we're dropping concerts. Yep. Like, sorry. You so, like, were... maybe this should be an instance where um, the hip is just like, you know what? We're just going to... This Hold is our up. last concert. I don't you know think what? they're going to And then the just boat. by the way, we're going to be uh, we're going to be doing some uh, pop up things. We're just going to be I don't know. We're going to be in this town. Maybe there will be a concert at this club where if you just want to walk up and pay what you can, they're dude, talking about. Um, here's here's the thing, you know, and and they're they're saying it's a, a, a celebration. It gives the fans a chance to say thank you to to Gord Downey. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to play the morbid card a little bit here. This is a man that's dying of brain cancer. Yeah. Not the funnest way to go. Yeah, and, and, and you know at a certain point, he's he was diagnosed in December. Yeah. Is this going to be a fun thing to watch, or is this going to be a train wreck? 
Yeah, because I was wondering that myself too. Because are <laughs> like are, are like how far like how far along is it, and what is he going to like? What is he going to be like as an individual at this point? Like, is he going to be like slurring his speech? Is he going to like have no motor motor control kind of thing? And the thing that really I find kind of like morbid about this is like, are people just going to go and see just to like find out if he's going to like? Is this going to be the concert where he collapses on stage kind of thing? And I don't think people are are thinking that way. They want to go in and listen to and listen to the music, listen and to the music one it. last yeah. time. But it's I know I had a mentor that just recently passed with brain cancer he got diagnosed in november and he passed in january right it was not good i mean you know the number of surgeries that they had and and you just go this is this this is this could potentially not be the celebration that everybody's hoping for mm-hmm. but anyway, well, I, mean, I don't yeah, want to be i mean i don't know all you can do really is hope for the best yeah yeah we wish I mean, him well and, and i feel like this is certainly a decision that they came to you know, considering if you're cognizant that your last days are coming, how do you want to spend them? Yeah. And if this is how he's chosen to spend them, you know, that's that's really, that's very cool. Like that's, more, more power to him. And, yeah, and, and I hope very, that, you know, people do get a chance to be respectful yeah. and, and get a chance to go and see him. And, you know, it doesn't cost him an arm and a leg, but, you know, I've got family members that are going, my brother's doing five of the ten concerts. Wow. Just, that is a serious commitment. <laughs> yeah, he's going to travel across Canada to to watch them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I hope they all have a great time. But it, it's, I just see it as a, di- a little bit different. It's a little bit different. Like Prince had a concert weeks before he passed in Toronto. Mm-hmm. He was doing those pop up su- surprise concerts. If somebody had said, "Hey, you get a chance to see Prince before he before he passed away," mm-hmm. yeah, you'd want to do it. At least they they're now knowing this is somebody that's going to be not around much longer. Yeah. Well, slightly different situation with Prince. Like that was no one knew that no, was coming. No, but it, yeah, this is that foresight. You know, you know what you've got coming towards you. But I yeah. think Ticketmaster's going. This is the last one. You know, let's make our money yeah. now. Well, I, I think they see a particularly captive market, and I think, I think they see rightly that yeah, you might not be seeing like, like, I'm trying to think of a. I'm so old. Um, <laughs> New kids like, on the block. <laughs> you kids, um, get off my lawn. No, I like I don't know, like a Beyonce concert. Like you're not gonna see that level. No, but you are basically gonna be maxing out the Canadian. But you're market. putting on somebody's yeah. emo- the the emotional. Yeah, like people who've never seen the credit. hit before and even like, don't even yeah. necessarily care about them a ton would be like, well, this is the last chance. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. sure, I'll go. I think you're playing two thousand dollars later. Yeah, well, two thousand dollars for nosebleeds. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. If you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So, all in all, like this is this is going to be no, this is going to be a big um, this is going to be a big thing. This will be like this will be a swan song. Yeah. This will be the thing that you remember him for. Like, um, just like even just talking about this right now. This is like this is this is like Terry Fox's last mile. You know, like dude kept going. Yeah, right up until he's like, right crossing Canada. Yeah, he's mm. playing one side so, of the country to the other. Yeah, and that's what he's gonna. Do. That's what he's gonna do. So all power to him. I hope. I hope he does it. And I and I hope yeah, the, I the def- focus is on, you know, the treatment too. That you know, at least he's bringing awareness, and not that we yeah. need to be more aware of cancer 
in all its various uh, nefarious forms. But I, I don't think anyone can lay this debacle at the band's feet. No. You know, I feel like their intentions are good, and they're just kind of caught up in this system that, that most performing acts in their of their caliber are kind of caught in. Well, you, unless you're a Pearl Jam, like we were talking about, and even Pearl when Jam's, you're a Pearl Jam, like they've yeah. had to roll that back. I think mm-hmm. they finally just went, well, you know what? This is the only way we can play this concert. Yeah. You know, unless we're out selling tickets, you know, out of the back of our car. Yeah. They tried it, you know. Bless them. They, they tried yeah, everything. To, to fight the system, fight the... Yep. <laughs> and the law won. Dang, the law. Darn um, the law. Um, but so, what? like, what's the remedy here? Like, CBC's talking about live streaming one or some of the I shows. I think they want to do the last concert in Kingston. But that's yeah, kind of like. But if we're playing the, the morbid card like that, then them's long odds. Yeah. yeah, I bet you there'll be cameras following from a side. Mm-hmm. Eventually, a concert, you know, Plan B is always yeah. in place. Yeah, or like somebody just along documenting it, and we'll probably see in like three or four years, like a documentary. Well, I bet you the, the documentary is already being made. Oh, probably. Like it's already. They they have enough friends in that industry that as soon as the news was was out, mm-hmm. and probably they knew back in. January, February. They've chosen their videographers. They yeah. they know you know. Hey, Dan Aykroyd is is probably already been sitting there with a film crew. Oh yeah. You know, remember these are all buddies. Yeah. yeah. The on the YouTube's uh, the clip from SNL just yeah. resurfaced. Yeah. Uh, with Dan Aykroyd giving the uh, the intro, and you could just I've just rolled that video back like four or five times just to see the smile on his face because you can this tell was... he. He loves this. Wearing that Canada sweater with Canada written from the arm of, to arm. Yeah. Kingston, Ontario, the home of Kirk Muller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kirk Dan Aykroyd. I'm you, I mean, I've heard a lot of horror stories about Dan Aykroyd as, like, in terms of the way that the the level of aggression he can bring to business. Mm-hmm. But you can yeah. tell that he wears... That, Oh, I feel he, like his Canadian pride is, is and like the genuine. man makes a very, very good vodka. Have you tried that Crystal Skull vodka? No, but no. I, I, I'm, well, I'm intrigued by the the. I'm not the a big bottle. vodka drinker. I like that stuff. And you can buy it at the uh, at the duty free at, at uh, going into Buffalo. Huh. You buy it at the duty free, and he will go in and sign boxes. Man, I'm surprised. No way. <laughs> yep. I'm surprised you didn't call it Stay Puffed. <laughs> and it's Marshmallow a cool, flavored vodka. Cool bo- uh, bottle. You can you can buy it at mm. certain places, but if you go to the duty frees, you know mm. usually you'll get a, a signed skull. Oh, cool! Nice. Note to sell. Yeah, yeah, it's worth it. And it's not just inexpensive. They used to have it as they were one of the lead sponsors at all the film festival parties. So you'd huh. go and they'd have they they'd be making the margaritas until Indiana Jones ruined the Crystal Skull brand. <laughs> like, this is the only thing that the Crystal Skull is at. This looks like it should have been in the movie. Mm-hmm. Not an alien. A bottle of vodka. Indi- <laughs> it's just Harrison Ford drinking shot after shot for ninety minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Making mojitos. <laughs> you want to fly a plane over a golf course? <laughs> you You've move, Millennium Vulcan Clang. <laughs> Compressor. <laughs> oh, tell me what to do. I'm falling. <laughs> Speaking of uh, all things oh. Disney, uh, Disney's about to drop um, <laughs> Disney movies on Netflix. Uh, with a two-year-old who has now been cleared for go for screen time, this is probably like the greatest thing that is going to save our family ever. <laughs> Not because you know we want to 
have our son tune in and tune out kind of thing. But with the impending arrival of another baby on the way, we're just we're just bracing for impact here because that is definitely what slackened the screen time rules around here. Styles differ from between you guys and me. You know, you guys grew up with the Netflix generation. I my daughter's a little bit older. I was like, I plopped her in front of the TV as soon as possible. <laughs> she's she's five weeks old. She was watching Batman when she was when she came home. It was like, I don't care. You're sitting in front mm-hmm. of the TV. But that's how I was raised. Yeah, you I'm guys all... are like we're limiting screen time. <laughs> that would I'm, never fly. I'm already softening, softening like the transition by like um, every time at like bath time or whenever I'm like playing like old like uh, cartoon theme songs. So like always Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo. It's like yes. And like Batman, like uh, Batman sixty six, he loves that, and he'll and like we'll even like sing na 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 Batman, and then like <laughs> our daycare we're... provider used to sing that to yeah. like all the kids at daycare. So they've never <laughs> seen Batman sixty six, but both of my kids know what to say when I say na 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 na. Yes, yeah. the way to do it, it just means that you've raised good kids. <laughs> my daughter will come home and she goes, "My daughter will come home. She's like, I was talking to my." You know, kids in my class, and somebody said this or somebody said that. I'm just like, you, you're these kids are being mistreated. They, you know, the pop culture references are just not working. <laughs> and she's she's now taking it upon herself to correct her friends. You know, I'm sorry. You know, Wonder Woman is not going to be in the next Avengers movie. You know, it's just not there. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. Not. I teach middle middle school as well, and I. I've seen countless students dig in on things that I know are patently wrong, but none of their mm-hmm. friends have the knowledge or the wherewithal to contradict them. So to hear like, "No, Hulk is going to fight Superman in the next movie," I need it takes all of my willpower <laughs> not to be like, "Stop the lesson! We are learning the wrong things." No way. There are teachable moments, and that is one of yes, them. Yes, that's where you. I mean, it's there it's is a clear line. Well, here's the Venn diagram. Here's Marvel. Here's DC. Note how they're not crossing. Well, I'm going to put Hulk over here and Superman over here. Is that Planet Hulk? Uh, you just passed. We were at the last uh, uh, Civil War, uh, Captain America Civil War. Yes. And at the end of the movie, we're doing like most people do. We're watching the the credits to get to the end, the the teaser. I was still amazed. My daughter's sitting there going. I can't believe these people are leaving. Have they learned nothing? Yes. We're nine years people into this. People were walking folks. out after after the first one, and I'm. We're like, have you? Do you not know? But but then you have the people that were in behind us. There was a group of teenage boys, and they're sitting there, and the ones, Adam, and he's telling his friends, as loud as possible, Shazam showing up at the end. Shazam, you know, there's going to be lightning. <laughs> Shazam's going to be there, and I get this. I mean, I want a Shazam movie as bad as the next guy. But. I, you know, maybe he was thinking Thor, but the fact that he said Shazam, you know, and I get a little elbow in my gut, and I look down at my daughter, and you know, one of those moments of pride again. That you know, she looks and rolls her eyes, and she goes, "Rookies." <laughs> it's just like the the level of disgust and dismay that you know, but people just don't don't understand. There's two universes. Yeah. Yeah, Not even there. There's two. Was it two solitudes? Right. Yes. Then never the twain shall meet unless Kurt Busiek is writing. That is true. But I don't think we'll ever see something like that again. I don't think we'll no. ever see a JLA Avengers again. I, 
it like was that, too expensive for them, and they don't like each other anymore. Yeah, although you're, this always kind of touches me actually. When DC shuttered their New York office, I was gonna say, isn't this why they moved? <laughs> oh yeah, well, well because DC wanted to consolidate their operation, they moved it all to LA. Um, that's why <laughs> to be run by Warner's. Great yeah. move. Well, that that's that's kind of the explanation behind the convergence event. Just like, what can we do that's self-contained, kind of a spinning the wheels, but we can pretend to be an event while we move the office. While we move the offices. Everybody writes <laughs> something and just turn it in. Turn it into a bubble, okay. which kind of is, is unique because they opened it up and they went from this self-contained uh, New 52 universe that they that they mm. really structured and it was going to be only within this 10-year period to we're back to the multiverse. Pick your own adventure. Do you want to watch this guy or this world or this world? Mm. And they went too much. Let's re-jig it one more time. So we got the big rebirth last week. Uh, Have you guys seen this one? No. Have Let's you... throw it in a blender and throw it no, at the wall. It's good. Oh, it's good. Okay. It's really, so it's really not good. DCU. So it's here it is. Good. Okay. Spoiler alert. Okay. So Jeff Johns, who wrote it, um, kind of the mastermind, the the. He he goes back to his old uh, staple. He uses mm-hmm. one of the flashes in this case, Wally West, who had, we have not seen for for almost five years now. Like the proper Wally West, the Wally, Wally West. West who was Kid Flash in Red the post crisis continuity. He's been lost in the Speed Force and he's trying to make his way back. So the whole story is him touching on certain points, going, "This is wrong. People know it's wrong, but they don't know why it's wrong." Mm-hmm. Oliver Queen and, and the Black Canary know that there's a connection, but they don't know why, but they have not seen each other connected for five years. And there's been these really regimented stories. And what it came down to was somebody has taken a 10-year period and warped every, made everybody forget a 10-year period of time. Hmm. And it comes down to Batman, and it, it goes back to the old Flashpoint story, and it's like, tell Bruce, and he, he's trying to get this, this message to Bruce Wayne, Batman, saying go back to the letter something is wrong when you got that letter from your dad that was delivered from Flash that started this whole new 52 era something went wrong and can you try to figure it out he's so, a pretty good detective I pretty mean. good detective <laughs> which leads to one of the best detective stories in comic books wait Batman's a detective not like a jacked up ninja yes yeah. so he sees a glint of something in the Batcave. And he goes to investigate, and he starts oh, no. trying something out, and he pulls out a button. No, the little happy fa- the the watchman... Somebody was able to manipulate ten years of history in everybody's minds and recreate a universe in his own making. And so, that's going to be... <sighs> it was very well done. Now, now, it basically gives him a chance to go back... They killed off a Superman last week. They've, you know, a they, Superman, the Superman that we've known for the last five years, Clark Kent. killed Superman? him. Killed him. Was, was killed off. Wow. And officially written off. Now, during convergence, they reintroduced what they were doing is they're going back and saying we're going back to some of the characters that we really liked. Married Superman. Married when Superman came around, he was a little bit more harder edge. He wasn't married, and he was almost like an antihero. Mm-hmm. So what they were able to do is go back and now we'll have the Justice Society and now we'll have some of those histories, that the, the continuity from years ago that 
has been built up for many many years mm-hmm. and those characters that everybody missed and those relationships are now able to be redefined a little bit hmm. but they you know went back and Superman is back to being married with what well, he, he'd always been around right but he was in the side you know he was he was kind of pocket universe right okay and now all the pockets are kind of spilling back into the main continuity exactly. and, and we can we don't have to be as tight with the five year what has happened in that five years where the Robins just didn't the timing and the ages of certain Robins <sighs> I, didn't work because Batman was you know he just seemed like the biggest sociopath yeah. <laughs> five years five Robins they're, you know ugh, they're just trying to have their cake and eat it too man like I feel like the, the the guiding principle of the DC of the new Fifty Two was supposed to be the the cleanest reboot that they've ever attempted. The whole like we're going to close the book on what's come before, and I think it and was, it was kind of like they was they feel like they were trying to do like their version of the Ultimate Universe mm-hmm. because that really shook things up creatively at Marvel. And I know it was its own thing, and it was disconnected from the main Marvel universe and Marvel being. Well, I don't, I don't know, actually. I was about to say that Marvel was smart about it, but I think it was just sort of a, a convergence. It was an experiment uh, that worked. Yeah, it was an exactly. It was a convergence of them being in dire financial straits. But you also didn't and, take everything that people knew and liked. You didn't take exactly. Peter Parker and, and completely ruin them. Now, they've done that recently. I'm not a huge fan of what they've done. He's Spider-Iron Iron Man, but he's, he's more Tony Stark than... Peter Parker. More Tony Stark than Tony Stark these days. Exactly. <laughs> um, but what they did was they, they, they went to such a regimented way and said, these characters no longer exist. And the ones that we grew up loving, they basically said, they're no longer there. So what yeah, see, they but find if is, they if they'd stayed with the New 52, the concept at pitch, more or less, and then mm-hmm. introduce those characters over time, then you would have to look... If you're a Flash reader, you get to look forward to meeting Wally West for the first brought, time again. When they brought Wally West in, they brought in a different Wally West. And they, they brought yeah. in... Here's, here's but even though the a, Barry Allen is meant to be different, like the idea is that you're, you're reinventing and modernizing. Yes, but the problem was that they alienated their core fan base and they weren't buying anything. So they were, they were trying to buy or sell to your kids. Well, maybe not your kids, yeah. in your kids in a few years. And those kids are not buying comic books. They're waiting for the movies. The guys that are actually buying the comic books are the guys 30, 40, 50 mm-hmm. that actually have disposable income because that's the only way that you can afford one of these things these days. Ticketmaster is not the only... Disposable income? Right. What is this disposable income thing you talk about? <laughs> Eventually, I hear it's, it's, it's... Who are all so far in debt that another 15 bucks a month doesn't really matter? 15 bucks <laughs> a month? Uh, three titles. Three titles, twice weekly. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. it's. It, I paid 23 bucks today. Four books. I got, oh, suckered, I got yeah. suckered into the uh, the Marvel one, too. I said I wasn't going to do it, wasn't going to do it. No, tell us a little bit about this Marvel one because I think we've tangented enough away from uh, Disney on Netflix being a good thing into. No, 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 this is the way the show goes. So, uh, so what are these Marvel Marvel ones that you are reading right now? Actually, the only one that I'm reading was I said I wasn't going to get suckered into Civil War Part 2. Oh, the event book. The event book, because the last few event books were not events. They were less than events, and they sucked up my 
bank account. And then I happened to read a spoiler, and they said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be stronger than this. And they went, somebody dies. Then they said, two people die. And I went, no, okay, I got to get it. <laughs> Sign me up for the series, five ninety nine a book. So only the main series. Yes, I, I, I'm trying. I'll be strong and okay. <laughs> next podcast. I'll probably tell you. Spider Man and Iron Man. Fantastic Four. The solicit that I've read for the Spider Man one is really interesting, actually, because the, the Spider Man's reveal and involvement in the first Civil War story was so extreme and such mm-hmm. a big part of the narrative. Mm-hmm. That going into Civil War Two, he's, according to the solicit, he's extremely gun shy about picking a side and getting involved. Yeah. Even more so than before, he's got lots to lose now. So is this like, still Peter Parker Spider Man? Yep, this, this is Peter Parker okay. Spider Man. Um, I'm not sure where uh, Miles Morales Spider Man falls. He's, he's an Avenger, and he's got his. He'll have his own book series too. Yeah, but aren't um, like aren't Tony and Captain Marvel both Avengers? Like they're both on the same team. I haven't read it in a little while, so I'm not sure. I think the current Avengers lineup, like the main Avengers lineup, if you just buy the book that says Avengers on it, um, I think is Iron Man, uh, Captain Marvel. The last Captain... time I checked, I don't. I think there was like five different titles that all had Avengers in it. Yeah, but this is the one that's just Avengers. This mm-hmm. is the one that is nominally the same series as. You know, as like Jack Kirby wrote. Okay. Well, yeah, because there's one with the the new Miss Marvel that uh, yeah. is well, kind of like Plastic Man. Yeah, that's the one that I'm thinking of. Okay. Because uh, you've got like four or five like classic members, and then you've got these three kids uh, who are on the team. Classic members, you've got Iron Man. You got yeah, who's female, a founder. Female Thor. Who is meant to be the actual sort Thor of, and yeah, is yeah. therefore basically a, a fan okay. of... You got Vision. Yeah, who's a classic... Yep. Okay. He's done his time. He's been in since the sixties. You got Falcon, who Falcon Cap. Yep. And then, Captain America. I mean, counts. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll get, and then you've got Nova. Yeah, and then the Miles three Morales, kids: uh, um, Nova, Miles Morales, and Miss um, Marvel. Miss Marvel. So like, Nova, yeah. like Nova Core Nova, or it's no. the Jeff Johns Nova. Oh, yeah. not Jeff Johns. The Jeff Loeb. Jeff Loeb Nova. named um, after his. Yeah, they killed off Richard Ryder. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think the last summer, or was it the summer before? One of these summers, they they went, they did a flashback issue and demonstrated, like photographic evidence that yes, Richard Ryder is dead, and no, he's never coming back. And I think that while was so Jeff Loeb was wrong. here, <laughs> that is so wrong. Brian Michael Bendis wrote a story that he had not even had a, he, he was not remotely connected to, and they just like I've never seen a, a character killed off out of his own series in an event book. And they just basically write his old series and said, "Yeah, we're just canceling it." And it was a good series. Uh, Nova Dan, was Dan a great Abnett series. And um, Andy Lanning's Nova was amazing. Just month after month of and and all these things were just kind of left hanging with a whole yeah. Nova. Course. Now, in fairness, they got to give him an ending. They, I think, the arc where Nova dies is um, it was the thing with the cancerverse. The yes, the um, oh well. It wasn't Reign of Kings. It was. It was. It was, it was um, manipulated into a series that people weren't reading. And unless you were reading it, all of a sudden you're you're collecting one series, and if you don't know what's going on, it wasn't yeah, like, it was like the last in. the last issue of Nova is the beginning of that Cancerverse story, 
And, like, he gets the distress call from the inciting incident, and he's like, I am responding. And then he's, like, basically yeah. gone. But there's no book that follows up and says, by the way, he died. Here's what, here we're wrapping up the five, six storylines that we had going. It was just like, <laughs> just like I'm out. Yep. <laughs> what do you mean he's dead? What do you, what, you know? So the sitting Nova is ostensibly the, like, I read the first couple arcs of it, and I think the idea is that there were multiple... The way, the way there are, like, sort of different branches of service in the military, there were different branches in the Nova Corps. And the one that we're familiar with with following, like, the gold helmets were kind of like the, the infantry, more yeah. or less. Mm-hmm. And these ones, these black helmets, were like the shady, like, the black ops guys. <laughs> and this guy, this kid, happens into onto one of their helmets, um, an inheritance from his dad, who was also a Nova. Um, I hadn't heard about for ever. ever. Yeah. Um, and his dad's been like just vanished into the air. And mm-hmm. In a way, it reminded me of Darkhawk in a way because you get into the story and you see this tight relationship between father and son, albeit under strain. Then the dad disappears. And you have a son who's simultaneously trying to adapt to his new position as the quote unquote man of the house. You know, who's trying. Great series. Oh, Great Dark- series. Well before it's time. Yep. Yep. I enjoyed Darkhawk very, very much. Like, it was... And the character itself still works today. It drives me nuts that they can't get him right. Every time they try to restart... They tried it in one of the one of these cosmic crossover books. In, in Reign of Kings, yeah. they tried to kind of reboot him. But every time they do, they go back and try to like he reinvent the a, wheel with the origin. And he was a bit of a supporting character in Nova, and I thought, okay, well, this is going to work, and they'll start... Yeah, well, one of those dangling plot threads... Was the supposed was like the idea was that Darkhawk was no not in fact the like sort of a weird alien science experiment and he's like the last prototype or whatever he's a member of this like intergalactic fraternity and there are thousands and thousands of these Darkhawk things and they've all gone extinct and now they're starting to come back hmm. and you see other characters picking up amulets and becoming Darkhawks and they all have their own agenda but the, we'll never know what that is the body switch <laughs> where it was like you know. You physically, your body changes and your consciousness goes into this android body and, and you yeah, switch well, the, your bodies the idea to these was spaces. Like, what if Shazam was happening in the 90s? Was the was the guiding idea? Okay. And so instead of like I'm I'm a different version of Superman, you get this messed up like Wolverine Iron Man kind of crossbreed. Instead of I'm an orphan creating my ideal family, you get I'm a kid from a dysfunctional broken home. You know, instead of I'm trying to fit in at school, you get I'm getting kicked out of school and I'm have to find a job. And I, and I have to support my family and where's my dad? Mm-hmm. And, and yep. it was very much huh. for times. And, uh, it wasn't perfect. Like, tonally, it was a bit of a mess. And the only when it really seemed to be working, Darkhawk's biggest problem was they were trying to fit him into a very crowded universe. And his original stable of villains were all other people's villains. He was right. fighting, like, the Hobgoblin lots and the Kingpins guys and, like... Those are good issues. They are good issues. I had to make, like, a, I had to make a, a, a presentation to my mom of why I wanted to spend my allowance money so that way <laughs> I could get the issue that had Daredevil, Captain America, and, and Darkhawk. And uh, they were fighting other people's villains. But I was like, I'm pulling out the, the, the price guide going, see, whenever you have a crossover and, you know, Captain America appears... The price of the book goes up. <laughs> Can I spend my four bucks? Because it, it will go it up will in value. It will appreciate in value. God, you could probably get the whole Darkhawk series for five bucks now. Pretty oh. much, yeah. 
Like it, uh, there were so many good ideas embedded in it, and Mike Manley's design for the armor, the initial design, is so brilliant. Like it's so, from a strictly a design perspective, it's a really, really intelligent. The claw on one hand, so you got that Wolverine-esque, and yep, it had sort of like a duckbill kind of helmet sort of thing. So you had like a very long, like a very long avian kind of profile, kind of like a Silverhawk. Yeah, very much. Very, very, very much. <laughs> did they? He, play, did he play guitar though? No, no. <laughs> but he had wings. He did work at a radio station for a while, which is almost the same thing. If you ask people who work at radio stations, um, but that's a character that they you know. And they, if they could get that and go back, you could do a, a uh, Marvel series on Netflix. Yeah, because the, the when it yeah play. back to Netflix when it really <laughs> seemed to be working in that series. When he wasn't fighting other people's bad guys, he mm-hmm. was fighting these really weird, messed up, like extra dimensional monsters. Right. And it was all, it took, like, I never understood where these designs and where these ideas were coming from as a kid. Now, since reading H.P. Lovecraft and going back to those oh. series, the art wasn't quite there. Like, Mike Manley departs the title to work exclusively for DC after issue 25, and then the art just goes in, I mean, no disrespect to the guys who followed him, but the art never recovered. Right. You know, I remember they, the character also joined other books, too. He was in New Warriors, and he was... Very briefly. Very, very briefly. Left, he, he was, was never a part of the main New Warriors lineup. affiliate member. Yeah, he, the same way that he was he was affiliated with the West Coast Avengers for a while. Well, as he, as he put it... So they had to come up with an excuse. Like, how can this New York-based character commute... <laughs> like how does he this character who pointedly can't fly they make a big deal out of the fact that he glides not flies yeah. <laughs> how do they get him from the east coast to the west coast so he can hang out well, with the west more coast sense he hang out with the guys in Brooklyn the new the new uh, warriors and he's, yeah. you know, he's like I really can't be a full member of the team I got a lot going on but if you ever want to have pizza sure just give me a call that was a great <laughs> that was a great issue man he takes them up on it too like, yeah. like he ends up like showing up with pizza and then he so they're all eating they're like taking their masks off and eating and he's like I'm in this weird armor suit I can't can eat. I eat <laughs> and he's like uh pizza grease all over my hands <laughs> it was it was a really good like it was Sounds a really very good moment Wheaton-esque it was it was very yeah. written that way it was Fabian Fabian Nicasia. Nicasia yeah. uh, wrote the the New Warriors issues for almost all of them. The original. Yep. I I'm I think he may have done the entire first volume. He did the first volume, and then he did. Then it went went to a, a different volume. Yeah. I think he came back for for Maybe. a while. Yeah. It's, all, I it's volume all three was um Sea Seagull. Yeah. See someone Seagull, I think. And I I remember the um. One of the pods I listen to is House to Astonish, and one of the two comics guys on there is a huge New Warriors fan. And he pointed out repeatedly that, like, the Seagull guy was actually a good writer, but he just couldn't, for whatever reason, he couldn't get this New Warriors book to kind of... Even the last, yeah, the the last few yeah. versions of the book, they did the version that, that led to the original Civil War. Yeah, that was a great series. I see. I didn't like it. I didn't like the cartoony aspect. I didn't like the uh, designs. I can see that. I like Scotty Young as an artist, so I'm willing to give it a pass. But it it was a huge tonal shift, yes. like visually, from the previous series, from any previous. Well, because the second series. second volume just didn't work. Third volume was the the Scotty Young version. Uh, that, that's volume four. Vol, uh, volume two was it tried to out grimdark the original. Um, it's right. the one that introduced. I think it. 
That was the one with the kid with the uh, the chest plate that was dying. Uh, I think the... that was Volume Three, because that's Aegis, and that's the one where they Aegis. gave Nova and Speedball and all those guys new yes a uh, new that costume. Was, that was two, three was Scotty Young, four was the post Civil <gasps> oh, War. Oh, that's right, that's with right. Jubilee yeah. and the mutants. And oh, the that nobody talks about because it was horrible. It was <laughs> oh my god, it was unreadable. Five. Like seven issues in, you couldn't differentiate between the characters. Oh, it was Kevin Giroux, the same guy who did the Underworld movies. Yes. He was trying to do the slow burn where you weren't sure who was on the team. Right. And who wasn't. And every character was supposed to be this <gasps> big reveal. But none of them were new warriors. They were all right. ex-mutants that had lost their powers. It's like he had this great idea for an X-Men book. But they wouldn't give him an X-Men book. Yes. So, so he did it in, in New Warriors. <laughs> and it was terrible. And then, then they'd be the, the reveal and they'd take the mask off and you're like, I have no idea who that is. They're like, he used to be was, Beak. Was that because of just the artwork? Well, it was, it was partly. So- though, it was Paco Medina who's a good artist. Like the action. When they're in costume. No, even then they weren't hideously distinct. But you could still basically tell that wait, this isn't the same person as this person. Mm-hmm. When the masks came off, it was impossible. You, They'd say, this is Jubilee. And you went, I know who Jubilee is. Mm-hmm. They're like, this is, he used to be Beak. And unless you had been reading X-Men by Grant Morrison... Yeah, those Beak three was, volumes right behind you. Yeah. Well, Beak, <laughs> Beak was this guy that had a bird face. Right. But when he lost his mutation, all of a sudden he looked like a human. And you're like... How big that, yeah, like how would I know that? I, I've thing. never seen you yeah, without yeah. your mutation, so how would I know? If you're a new warrior reader and not an X-Men reader, you there is no worldly way that you care about any of this. Yeah. And even when they did try the last version, you know, they, they played on Justice and Speedball and trying to rehabilitate Speedball from being the... From being Penance. He was yeah. From Penance, and he was a cutter, and he was, he was dealing with all the fallout from the Civil War, and... And being we've discussed sensitive. we've discussed the specifics enough times sure, that yes. I don't think we need to belabor yeah. the, the listeners with it again. <laughs> but okay, for some people that don't listen to the podcast, I mean, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, it's just a I guess word. it's relevant to this to Civil War because the New Warriors are the inciting incident for the mm-hmm. first Civil War. They self destruct on a bust and get themselves killed and a whole jillion civilians, and that's what gets the government interested again yeah. in superhero registration. As if that would stop it from happening. And, and then the new one, it was. I think what really caught me, and you know, and I'm, I know I'm being manipulated, is like somebody dies. And you're like, ah, you know, somebody dies in every event comic. Two people die. Oh, I'll write a buy it. Wait a minute, weren't you just saying something about Marvel movies and people walking out too early? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they know they're going to some kind of connection or. They know that they're going to get it on Netflix, and they'll watch it anyways, and then they'll just fast-forward to the end and see the piece. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Let's watch it on YouTube later. Now, now in fairness, the, the second um, the second post credit sequence in Civil War... That was pretty re- cool. It was fun, but, I mean, the only relevant piece of information to come out of it is, yes, we are doing a Spider-Man movie, and everyone knew that. Yeah. Yes, but I think it's just nice, you know... I enjoy to it. know for sure, yeah, you know, and and you know that's smart, and you know they're gonna they're gonna put it on Netflix, and they'll make a lot of money because Disney is paying a lot of money for to, to be the you know to have that exclusivity, so, so much so that they actually popped the rates on Netflix up. Yeah, so okay, so you've seen Apocalypse Spears, you haven't seen Apocalypse nope. yet, but do you know the the uh, end credits? The I am willing to have them spoiled. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, 
James, what do you think is going to be the next X-Men movie? Because I was itching for Old Man Logan The internet so agrees badly. with you. Old the Man internet Logan says is Logan. I was Old like, Logan. why was this not Old Man Logan? Why was it not? Here's why. Is because Old Man Logan is going to sell its own set of comic books. Or, 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 uh, or of uh, movie tickets. They want to set up the next series, and the next series is not X-Men. It's going to be New Mutants. Yeah. New Mutants is going to be X-23. Yeah, and which is why we see at the end sequence uh, Essex Corp come in and grab a sample of Wolverine's blood from... Which, uh, wait, Essex Corp? Which leads yep. to who the new villain will be if they decide to go one way or another with either a new X-Men movie... So it's like a big truck with Essex Corp written no. on it? It's a suit that walks into the Alkali Lake facility... Um, finds Wolverine's holding pen, find like grabs like all his like X-rays and everything, and then oh, here's a uh, vial of Weapon X blood. They put it in a briefcase, and as the briefcase comes down, monograms Essex Corp. See, I feel like that's something Sinister would never do. Yeah, I, I feel like that. That's the that would that's like riding around in the Joker mobile. <laughs> like... <laughs> I swear, like, what what that sequence needed to be was, like, suit puts it in the case, you see the suit get on a plane, you see the suit give the briefcase to a dude, you see that dude give the briefcase to another dude, you see that dude drop it into the sewer, where a dude takes it and puts it out of another sewer, where some other dude takes the case, then takes the blood out of it, separates it into separate vials, and sends all of those vials through the mail, and they all go to the same place, <laughs> and then you see Mr. Sinister. 30 seconds of, of scene... I don't think you could do that. I'm just saying. Or maybe just the dude be like, yes, I have it. You know, yeah. Professor X Essex will be pleased. I don't feel like he would monogram anything. Because yeah. I feel like that's proof he He's exists. Like, well, these yeah. are the, the men in black. I mean, the, the scene itself. Uh, I, I'm that whole throwing a lot of shade was... on a scene I haven't seen. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the, se- the sequence is, is really cool you know, mm-hmm. in that movie. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's a great way to keep that character going. But it also leaves them the possibility that they can go, if they can assign, you know, because the, the, the whole hope is they can get the original cast back and do basically reboot 80 or 90s X-Men and we go full circle. Or they go, we can't bring in everybody back. Let's go with the New Mutants. And then we I can... I hope they go New Mutants. I hope they do. Well, I, I think that they there's possibilities to go that way. Mm-hmm. You know, that they can... They can Reboot and, and jump past where we were with. Yeah, Days it's. Of Future past. I mean, it. It's the difficulty with all of these X franchises, and it's you know with any comic, is that as an open-ended story, there isn't shape or arc to the story as it is. The idea of writing for trade mm-hmm. and having this tight series of graphic novel length or movie length stories that taken together tell one much bigger story is a pretty recent thing. When Chris Claremont was writing X-Men in the 80s, it was just one continuous soap opera. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to be able to compress that into three movies or four movies or six movies. Now they write for arcs and they go, we can do, we need six issues to fill one of these graphic novels of, of you know that you've got stacked up here. <laughs> because then, then we'll sell the next one and then we'll sell the next one. I, I even think right now they've changed it a little bit, like just some of the writing. They've gone away from that, maybe as structured. But you now they're writing miniseries, or they're writing to put several stories together, but maybe not because this is not 
the way of the future. This is kind of the old school style. I'm pointing the uh, graphic novels behind me, but um, they're they're writing for the internet and they're writing for the digital downloads. Huh. Either way, that does that doesn't create a structure that really comfortably no you can move into movies because you can't say that this one like. You can't say that the defining threat of the X-Men is Magneto because you have an equal number of stories where the defining threat is Sinister or the defining mm-hmm. threat is Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And the point is, like, the threat was never the thing in X-Men. You know, like, yeah, Claremont exercised some some really interesting creative ideas in creating these threats, but... The what kept you coming back was not oh my god is Jean going to go Dark Phoenix, it was oh my god is Scott going to tell her how tell her how he feels mm-hmm. oh god is Wolverine going to get in the way or what goofy thing is Colossus and Nightcrawler going to do next you know what I mean yeah. it was about the it was more the action yeah, yeah exactly but that's when guys also stayed on books for long periods of time you don't get that anymore you yeah, I don't think of... you can ever get back to that in comics. There are some guys that will write that way, very, very few, and even then, you know, there's still a lot of editorial that they're, well, you need to now manipulate your characters to meet around this event. You're not going to see it in big two comics any longer. No. There's too much corporate synergy, and there's too many good people who have too many good stories to tell with these characters. Like, you know, I would love for Joss Whedon to be the only X-Men writer and to write all the X-Men in the world. But one, the books would never come out on time. And two, <laughs> there's a lot of other people with good X-Men stories to tell. And like you can't you're not gonna see a defining writer because you can't be like, Okay, Brian Kavon, you write your X-Men, and then when you got Robert Kirkman on the other hand, what you're gonna say no? Like you know what I mean? You get you get very few books and it's those you know, the the secondary beyond the Marvel and the DC where you get the Robert Kirkman that says I'm going to write The Walking Dead the way I want to write The Walking Dead and when I decide that it's done it's done Hellboy Hellboy Mike Mignola uh, basically said I'm done I'm going to start doing watercolors I've done exactly what I want to do and I I can take a year off because I say and no one else is going to be writing Hellboy there is other like Hellboy verse stuff that he's overseeing he's not totally He's not walking away from it, you know, but he's like, he's not going to be drawing Hellboy you know, for a year like at least. Preacher with, with, uh, you know, Preacher was a... Was that Gar- a, a Garth... Garth Ennis? Garth Ennis? Is that Garth Ennis? And, um... Yeah, and, and basically he says, here's the story, the story is done, and, and we're going to go, go from there. You, you don't get those, those defined, wrapped beginning, middle, and end. Neil Gaiman's Sandman? Uh-huh. <laughs> The one about where all the men die. Oh, why the last man? The Brian last man. K. Vaughn again. Yeah, yeah. Brian K. Vaughn. BKV. <laughs> we would like to sponsor. Oh man, um, we had a birthday party today, and uh, Clark and I went to Chapters to pick up the gift, and they had um, they had a they had a bookend called um, called Read Canada or something, and they had the hardcover of We Stand on Guard in there. Oh, I was like, nice. yes, and I was reaching out for it. And whenever we're in a store and Clark sees something that he wants, I tell him, well, it's not on our list. And I go to reach for this comic book and he tells me, it's not on the list, Dad. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, 
you're right. And then I flipped it over and like, you just saved us 50 bucks. Wow. It's, I don't think it's 50 bucks, but it was a lot. Yeah. It's, it's probably. But it, it's have a hardcover. Hard cover, yeah. Have you looked at the book, though? I mean, it's. No, they were in plastic. They were in plastic, yeah. But I'm sure it's pretty and, like, I'm sure it's worth it. That doesn't change how much money I don't have. Yeah, well, <laughs> you might have saved yourself a. Take a, take a look at the book. I mean, I, like I read the, the first couple issues. Okay, like, you did. All right. You're yeah. going in knowing then. Yeah, I mean, the, the art, I think, is. It's a little sketchy for. Not sketchy. <laughs> it's super. Sketchy. <laughs> no, it's super detailed in some places. Like it's the kind of art where you can see every nook, cranny, and crack on the on the mechs and on the armor and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was thinking more of the blood and guts and the. Oh, I, I was not thinking of this as a comic to share with. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> no, this this was going to be a treat for me. Okay, <laughs> which is why the it's not on our list was extra appropriate. <laughs> Smart why a lot of people don't teach their kids that and, and you get too many kids that are running around going, I'm just gonna keep buying and keep buying and yeah. Well so we, we have a always... we do have a phenomenon like that kind of. When he wants something that we can't have, we tell him to you know, we'll put it on your, the wish list. It's a very long list. Yeah. And that wish ch- wish list will change and Well, exactly. Yeah. The we don't make the list while we're in the store. It's like if we get home and remember it. Mm-hmm. You know, and even even so, the, I've never added to the wonder list. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. never written it down. Yep. You know, though, come you know, come birthday or Christmas time, maybe I'll regret that. Holy Toledo! Can this be the end? Don't bet on it, true believers. The geeks will return next week with part two: Terror of the Long Boxes. Until then, Majram, everyone.